I'm thrilled. I want you to take your Bibles, turn to me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. All right, we're just, we're going to have a grand time tonight. I'm going to, I'm going to edify you and build you up whether you like it or not. Philippians chapter 4. And uh, we're going to talk tonight about attitudes. How many of you know attitudes have something to do with it? Why in the world we're still trying to earn things from God by being good when it's your attitude? Attitude is everything with Him. And tonight we're going to talk about the attitude of heaven. We're going to look at a simple verse that most of you have already memorized. And it's one of those simple verses that speaks nine volumes. And if you hadn't memorized this one, boy, you need to memorize it. And you need to hold on to it because this is good. Philippians 4.13. Let's read it together. You probably know it. Philippians 4.13 says this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Wouldn't it be great if that were, I mean, like really true? Wouldn't it be great if that were in the Bible? I mean, what if it really worked? Wouldn't that be something right there? This is so simple. Here's the simple revelation. You, you can see, here's the simple revelation. It is the will of your Father for you to accomplish things by His ability and His strength through the Holy Spirit working in you that are beyond your ability. You should be able to do things that you're not able to do. But can you see it is, I can do these things because why? God has given me something. Christ gives me something. He strengthens me to do this. So this, this, is, this is the foundational verse of something we call faith. You ever heard of faith? It's real big in this line of work right here. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evident things we hadn't seen yet. And dear ones, if you're going to follow Jesus, the just will walk by grunting. No, faith. Faith. We're going to live by faith. And this is that great. Oh, I just love this verse. All right. How many of you believe that there's a certain attitude that should go, that is in heaven? All right. If you, if you were to go to heaven right now, would you notice an attitude? You would. Every place has got an attitude. Bar, beer joints got attitude. Churches got attitude. Teenagers got attitudes. Every place has got an attitude. If you went into heaven, you would sense an atmosphere and an attitude. And uh, let me tell you, it's not a religious atmosphere. What attitude do you think is in heaven right now? It's we're going to lose. It's, it's terrible. It's hopeless. There's no way. You think that's the attitude of heaven? The attitude of heaven is two words, can do. Can do. I want you to look at this verse again. I want you to, if you can't memorize this whole verse because it's too long for you, could we memorize two words out of here? Can do. All right, I'm going to ask you a little bit after we talk about this for a minute. I'm going to go ahead and put it out here now. How many of you really have a can-do attitude? We're going to talk about it in a little bit. All right, let's talk about a can, the attitude of heaven is a can-do attitude. Listen, this thing called faith always can do. Faith always has a can-do attitude. All right, I'm in Honduras one day, and I'm talking about this, and one of them stuffy, stern uh, ministers come up to me, and he said, this whole thing sounds a whole lot like positive thinking to me. I said, mm -mm, there's a reason. <laughs> there is a reason. He said, and he, oh, he got, I think he even got one shoulder up higher than the other. And he said to me, <clears throat> a positive attitude is not faith. I said, did you figure out all by yourself or did you go to school and learn that? A positive attitude is not faith, but you listen to what I'm fixing to say. Faith always has a positive attitude. Always. If there's a God in heaven, it always does. Now you can have a positive attitude and there be no faith to it. 
You can just think you can do something. But dear ones, faith comes from the word of God. Faith comes from the promise of God and it is always positive. Faith always, what? Let's say it together, can do. There was faith can do. If you went into heaven right now, you just have this, it's just pregnant with this atmosphere of good things are going to happen. This that can happen. This is going to happen. Heaven is an atmosphere of hope. If you go into hell right now, what's the worst thing about hell? Absence, not the fires, not the darkness. It's the hopelessness. It's eternal, you taste it. Now, dear ones, hell's attitude has been belched out on the earth these days. And even believers are starting to get this. I don't know attitude. That is not heaven's attitude. Let, 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 me, let, me put it, let me put it like this. I can do all things through Christ when he strengthens me. That's heaven's attitude. And if you, the Holy Spirit, this is his attitude that he embeds inside of us and works inside. Listen, attitude of hell is one of doubt, despair, and hopelessness. Now, question. Do you think attitude makes a difference in your life? We have no idea how much. Attitude makes all, your attitude seals heaven up from you or your attitude opens heaven over you. And you're going to see that in scripture. Attitude makes all, I'm going to talk about the power of attitude. I don't want you to, I'm going to say it again. Here's the great problem. We think that if I'm real good and I don't cuss for a week and I give money and maybe, okay, stay in the nursery. I mean, if you really do good things for God, he might do something for you. Jesus did the only thing that needs to be done for God to bless your socks off at the cross. He doesn't reward you according to your goodness. He rewards us by faith. Be it unto you. Does anybody know this verse? This is Matthew 9, 29. Be it unto you according to your faith. What if that's true? Then that means my faith needs to open heaven's windows for me. And we're going to see, I want you to see how this operates. We're going to take the time to look at it. All right, let's look at the great example of it in the Bible in Numbers chapter 13. Turn to the other side with me, Numbers chapter 13. I hope this hits you like a buzzard gut right between the eyes tonight. That, in other words, hope you get a revelation. I think that's what it means. All right, Numbers 13. Let me tell you where we're at, Numbers 13. Do you remember when God's people were locked in bondage in a place called Egypt? And God sent a man by the name of Moses. He went with him and he broke those people free. He got them out. He crushed Pharaoh. I mean, this is not just about this world history. He got them out and he brought them to a place called the desert. If you're familiar with Egypt, the Sinai Peninsula, the desert's there. They went through the desert. Does anybody remember? Now he brought them out of that place of bondage, took them through the desert, but there was somewhere he wanted to take them to. Does anybody remember where he wanted to take them to? Old song written about it. I am bound for the... Okay, he was going to take them. He brought them out of Egypt, out of bondage, through a tough place, but he wanted to take them to a place called the promised land. And the promised land is described as a place that flows with milk and honey. Now, I've said it before. I made grandma mad. Let me make her mad again. The promised land is not heaven. You understand that. The promised land is not... promised land can't be heaven. They were defeated in the promised land. Are you going to be defeated in heaven? They had to fight to listen. Heaven is heaven. The promised land is a picture of receiving every good thing God wants to give you in this life. It's a picture of the spirit blessed, spirit anointed, spirit filled life. It, you know, obviously Egypt is a picture of being in bondage to the enemy. Jesus breaks you free. He brings you out. We go through some tough places. 
wilderness places. But ultimately, God wants to bring you into an abundant life in this life. And that's the picture of the promised land. All right, they've traveled. They've been broken free. Numbers 13, they get right there to the promised land. They're not in it yet. They're right on the outside. Watch what happens. Numbers 13, verse one. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Can you see clearly that he was going to give them this land? Everybody see, you have to see that it don't count. Okay, he's going to give them this land. And what did he say do? I want you to take some men. Tell them just go in there and spy it out. And so he picked some men. And uh, well, let's, let's read verse 17. Moses sent them to spy out the land. Go this way up the south. Go in the mountains. See what the land is like. Uh, verse 20, whether the land's rich or poor, uh, forests or not, be of good courage. Bring some of the fruit of the land. The time was ripe for the season. Uh, it was great, great picking time. All right. He told him, I want you 12. He picked 12 guys. Go in there and wander around. Go all throughout that land. Find out what it's like and bring us back some fruit so we can see what it's like. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you see in there where he told them to go in there and evaluate whether they could do it or not? No. He told them, you just go in there and come back out and tell everybody what it's like. So they sent 12 men in. They go in and they made their rounds. They, uh, they uh, stopped at the Valley of Eskel and they cut down a cluster of grapes. It was so big, they had to put it on a pole and it took two men to carry it. So one had the pole on this shoulder, one behind him and one cluster of grapes and they brought it back out. And here they come back. They've been gone for 40 days. Uh, verse 25, they returned from spying the land 40 days. They departed, came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness. And they brought back word to them, all the congregation, they showed them the fruit. They told them and said, the went to the land where you sent us, it flows with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. The term flows with milk and honey uh, doesn't mean that, you know, pasteurized milk's running through the streets there. Um, it's just a colloquial term for it is a bountiful, fruitful land. They came back and said, look, it's the most beautiful place we've ever seen. And remember the promise of the Lord to them. You will live in this land. You will live in houses you didn't have to build. You will eat from vineyards you didn't plant. I will bless you. Open the windows. In other words, it was just the most wonderful place to move into. And they came back and said, he told the truth. It's great over there. Watch what happens. Verse 28, nevertheless... The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. That means they got forts around them. They're large. We saw the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, all them other ites that are pictures of demonites in the New Testament. They're by the sea. So then they start talking about how tough it is. Watch what happens in verse 30. Caleb quieted the people. You know what that means, don't you? Y'all boys shut up and let me talk. He quieted the people before Moses said, let us go up at once and take possession. Watch these words. We are well able. All right, you got it. They went and spied it out. 12 men come back. They get to talking. Some of these guys, they, they, they get to talking about how tough it is. Caleb said, silence. He said, let's go. What, he, what was his attitude? We can do this. Can you see clearly? He said, we are well able. And he said, we are well able to do this and to overcome it. Does that sound to me, does that sound to you like he had a can-do attitude? All right, this boy, he's ready to go. He said, listen, we need to quit talking. He said, get your stick, let's go. We need to take off. Here's the problem, verse 31. But the men who'd gone up with him said, watch these words, we are not able. Did they have a can-do attitude? They had a we can't do this attitude. Let me ask you a question. Were they bad men? They were very good men. They went to church. They tithed. They observed Jewish Sabbath. They were good men in every way. What's the only thing wrong with them? They had a we can't do it attitude. 
Can you see the difference? Twelve men, two of them said, let's go. Ten said, uh, we can't. Now what they said made sense. How many of you think this attitude is going to be a problem here? All right, somebody's read this before. And let me point out again, God never told them to discuss whether they could or not. You could go back, we read, didn't we read, I am giving it to you? He didn't tell them to think about whether they could do it or not. He just said, here's yours. I just wanted you to show them how big the grapes were. And so they said, we're not able. And the people are stronger than us. And they, and they went on. They talked about how hard it would be. Anyway, they just said, we can't do this. Has anybody in this room ever thought in your heart, I can't do this? All right, watch this. Verse, chapter 14, verse 1. So, all right, because these boys brought what's called a bad report, the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. The people wept that night. All the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, the whole congregation said, if only we died in the land of Egypt, if only we died in the wilderness. Watch verse three. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? Really? God brought you all this way so he could kill you right here. Yep, he sure did. <laughs> Are his people nuts or what? You said, brother, Ryan, don't be hard on them. For 40 years, they had watched him open the Red Sea, rain bread down from heaven, protect them from their enemies, find water out of a rock. They'd watch miracle after miracle and they get here and they said, he brought us out here to kill us. Can you see what a bad attitude can do for you? And they said, we, we just, he brought us out here to die. <clears throat> Anybody ever heard of a victim mentality? You can smell it. Is there victim mentalities in this nation right now? Read this with me. Verse three, why has the Lord brought us up to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become what? Victim mentalities, you should see clearly here, this is not from heaven. We just need to go back to Egypt. And they, they, matter of fact, they said, pick us another leader, we're going back, going to quit God. Verse six, uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, the son of Jeff, those are the two guys who were among those who'd spied out the land, tore their clothes. They spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, look, the land we passed through is a good land. If the Lord delights in us, he'll bring us into the land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land. Watch this. They are our bread. Where do you get this kind of attitude from? The other 10 men who were great warriors, they saw these giant guys and said, we can't do it. Caleb said, what? We will eat them for lunch. They are our bread. Then I'm going to tell you something. Attitude makes all the difference in the world. Faith makes all the difference in the world. They are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. And watch this. The Lord is with us. Do not fear. What he say? You know what he said right there? Let me quote it to you. We can do all things through Christ who's going to strengthen us. And we're going to eat our enemies. Can you see his, this is the attitude of heaven. Let's just vote right now. Ten guys, two guys, which one you think, who had the attitude Jesus liked? Take a wild guess here. Why is this in the Bible? Is he teaching us how to steal somebody else's land? He's teaching us about the attitudes that bring the blessing of heaven down. Had a wonderful attitude. And uh, then the, <clears throat> now listen, I'm going to throw this in. You got to be careful if you start becoming a believer. I mean, a real believer where you start believing God for great things. Watch what happened in verse 10. All the congregation said to stone them with stones. Why are you killing me? Because I want to believe God. They're going to kill them because they thought God told the truth. Isn't that funny? All right, let's, let's wrap this up. Turn uh, verse uh, 
Verse 22. Now, all of a sudden, they're jibber-jabbering. Guess who shows up? The glory of the Lord comes down. Watch what he says. Verse 22. Because all these men who saw my glory, the signs which I did in Egypt, the wilderness, they put me to test these 10 times, have not listened to my voice. They certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. What does that tell you right there? That can't do it attitude cost them everything God planned for them. Dear ones, he gave it to them. Did you not read in that first part where he said, I'm giving it to them? Why did they not get what God gave them? Because they had this can't do attitude. See how important attitudes are? Watch the next verse. <clears throat> but my servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit in him. What's the difference between Caleb and them other guys? All, all of them loved God. All of them were followers. All of them were tithers. They were worshipers. What's the only difference? Caleb had a we can do this attitude. Caleb had, Caleb had a if God is for us, who can be against us attitude. Caleb had a, had a, and I can do all things through Christ attitude. And he said, because he had a different spirit, watch this, and followed me fully, I will bring into the land he went and I'm bringing his children with him. Now, what do you see in that verse right there? Does attitude make a difference? Attitude makes the whole difference. Attitude made the entire difference. Now, dear ones, this is foreign thinking to the American church. Because in America, we think, don't cuss, God will be good to you. You know what I see here? Believe him and he'll open the windows of heaven over you. If you're going to build something, build your faith. Build your can-do attitude. So we see in this passage right here, very simply put, that they had, it was the attitude alone. Now, does anybody remember history? It, you know, from this point on, if you follow the history, for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness they they, it took them 40 years to make an 11 mile journey. That's all it was. I mean, a little 11 day journey. That's all it was. And uh, everybody who did not believe what God said died in the wilderness. Does anybody remember if Caleb got in or not later on? One of my favorite verses, Caleb, after 40 years of waiting on these people to get their hearts right, he finally goes into Joshua and he says, do you remember how God promised this land? And he promised me that set mountain. And he said, I want you to give me that mountain. And here's the great verse. I am as strong at 85 as I was at 40 to go in. Well, I'm fixing to put it in Southern vernacular. I better not because we're on the internet. Basically, he said, I'm fixing to kick somebody off my mountain. And he had this attitude that if God said we can do it, what are we waiting on? And that, that, you know what that is? I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the attitude of heaven. Can you see from this passage that God Almighty smiles on this attitude? He just really likes it when we say, well, by myself I couldn't, but if God be for me, watch this. And we can do it. And, and they just struck out on this thing. All right, I want to tell you three things about a can-do attitude. Number one, and by the way, how many of you sense I want you to get one? The greatest tragedy on the planet would be for Jesus to die to give you something and you not know how to get hold of it. All right, by faith. Uh, let's do this. Turn with me to Hebrews 11. Let me, <clears throat> we have to do this once in a while. Hebrews chapter 11. Does anybody know what Hebrews 11 is? This is God's hall of fame. This is where he lists the great people through history. You know, in Canton, Ohio, you got the football hall of fame. In uh, Waco, Texas, you got the Rangers hall of fame. All these halls of fame. Well, Hebrews 11 is God's hall of fame. And this is where you find all the people that were blessed beyond measure. Now, that, I'm going to ask you to do something really hard. You're going to have to think, but this is Wednesday night. You can do it. 
there's a subtle, subtle thread hidden in Hebrews 11 that ties all these great people together. Very subtle, but I, I think you be looking for it. See if you can see it in here somewhere. All right, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse four. By faith, Abel offered to God an excellent sacrifice. Verse five, by faith, Enoch was taken. He never died. Only one of two men to never die. By faith, verse seven, by faith, Noah saved his whole family with an ark. By faith, eight, verse eight, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he went out. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah received strength to conceive seed. She had a baby when she was 90 years old. That's some kind of faith, isn't it? All righty. Turn with verse 17. By faith, Abraham, he mentioned. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed his entire family. Uh, verse 23, by faith, Moses saved the entire nation. Uh, look with me in verse uh, Verse 32, let's read it. What more shall I say? Time would fail me to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but there was a subtle theme that went through that whole thing right there. Somebody tell me what it was. By faith. Why didn't it say... Um, by trying? Why didn't it say by living holy? Why didn't it say by singing louder? Why didn't it say by memorizing the books of the Bible? What's the only thing that these people open heaven's windows with? Son, Ray Charles could see this like it was broad daylight. Look in verse six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God for he who comes to God must believe that he is. I think you've got that but we struggle with the next one and he's going to do something for me because I'm seeking him. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now I've had people, many a person said to me, brother Brian, I, I have faith. I believe in God. And I just laugh. The devil believes in God. That, that's, <laughs> that ain't going to get you nowhere. Do you believe he will reward you? Let's read it again. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's, I don't care if you're the greatest Christian that ever lived. I don't care if you ain't never cussed in your life. I'd like to meet you. I don't care. I don't care if you're squeaky clean. If you don't have faith, you don't get nothing. Without faith, it's impossible to please him because when you chase God and seek God and live with God, you got to believe he is and you got to believe he is going to do something for me. You have to believe he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And that's why after reading Hebrews 11, I said to myself, self, you put a lot of effort in learning the Bible because my group emphasized learning the Bible. And you put a lot of effort in trying not to cuss because my wife really likes it when I don't. And you put a lot of effort in a lot of things. But after reading Hebrews 11, I think what I'd do is build my faith. I think what I'd do is try and get me a can-do attitude like Caleb had. All right, we looked at that. Three things you need to know about a can-do attitude. Number one, you have to choose to have a can-do attitude. It's not natural. It don't fall on you like a ripe chair. You got to make up your mind. I've seen this in God's word and I'm going to do it. Now listen to me. This is not self-confidence. Then friends, self-confidence is not faith. God bless you. I'm glad you're out. This is God confidence. Let me quote it to you again. It doesn't say I can do all things because I'm tough, smart. It says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who's your real confidence in that verse? It's not in me. It's in Jesus. It's your confidence is in God and it's through Christ. Now, this can-do attitude has to be driven by God's Word. I can't... Did you notice Caleb didn't say, I think we can do it. The only reason he said we could do it is because God told us He'd give it to us. What do we call that? That's a promise. All faith has to be based on the promises of God. But you listen to me. 
there are enough promises in this book to cover everything you need and want in your life. It's in here. And so all my faith, anytime somebody says to me, well, believe with me, pray with me, I'll ask them, what verse are we standing on? And if they say, well, none in particular, and I say, well, that's what we're going to get is none in particular then. Demons, all faith has to be based on God's word. If it's not based on the word, it's just positive thinking. But you, let me tell you something. You need to get this stuff down inside of you. Get it down in your heart. That's why meditation gets this in your heart. Let me tell you one of the things that's so, this is so big in my spirit. I just, I walk around and just quote this all the time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and still waters. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil because you are right beside me. And just listen, let me, let me tell you one of the things that I like about life. Goodness and mercy are going to follow me every day of my life. Every day I live, God's going to do good things for me. You know what that's called? That's a can-do attitude or faith. Guess how I got that? I made all that stuff up. There's a poem. I wrote it. <laughs> faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. If you're going to have faith inside of you and you're going to have a can-do attitude, you have got to hear God speak. You got to hear his promise because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And uh, I'm having you know that having faith won't keep you from having problems. Amen. Not even close. But let me tell you something. When I walk through the fire, he will be with me. When I go through the rivers, they shall not overflow me. He will hold me by my right hand. That's Isaiah 43. He didn't say you wouldn't go through the fire. He said, when you go through the fire, I'll be there. When you go through the rivers, they won't knock you off your feet. Well, you know what? That, that's a, where's the river? This is, this is an attitude that comes by faith. Now let, let's translate this down into life. Let me tell you something. I'm not a wayfaring, egg-sucking pilgrim on the way to glory. Quit listening to them dumb gospel songs. Let me tell you something. I can honor God with my life and live like a child of the living God. Because Jesus gives me the ability I can be a husband and a God-honoring husband to my wife and love her like Christ loves the church by God's grace. I can be a father to my children and train them up in the way they ought to go by the grace of God. This, this can-do attitude comes out of this book right here. It comes by hearing him speak. But listen, listen to me. You have to choose to have it. You've got to make a decision that those 12 guys, did all of them have a choice? Why did only two choose to believe God? Great question. I don't know. All right, number two. Number one, you got to choose. Number two, you have to cultivate a can-do attitude. You can grow one over time. You say, well, Brother Brown, I just, you know, I'm an egg-sucking, wayfaring pilgrim, always have been, always will be. No, you won't. Not if you're going to stay in my church. You've got to change your attitude. You can cultivate a good attitude. You can cultivate or you can grow your faith, the Scripture says. Now, listen to me. We inherit attitudes and don't even know it, don't we? Now listen, you, some fellow told me one time, he said, you just don't understand, preacher. He said, my mama and my grandma were world champion warriors. I mean, you, warriors, 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 warriors. He said, you never, they studied worrying all their life and they got so good at it. And he said, it just rubbed off on me. I said, well, wash it off and get in that word and rub that word all over you. <laughs> we inherit attitudes from our families. We inherit attitudes from religion. We just pick up this junk. Did you know Jesus spoke in John 13? You just walk through the world and you get dirt on your feet and you need to let me wash it off. 
That's what John 13 is all about. We inherit attitudes from our environment around us. We live in a very skeptical culture. We live in a negative culture right now. There ain't nothing negative in the kingdom of God at all. And this junk gets on you. Now let's do an honest evaluation. Here, let's do an honest evaluation. <clears throat> you know, you can't go somewhere till you figure out where you're at. They said, Brother Brown, I'm at church every time the door's open. I love God. I care about him. But you know what? I sort of got caught up in this. I don't think it's going to work stuff. I've actually heard Christian parents say this. I'm, I'm just scared my children going to get on dope. Why would you? Where did that come from? Well, I know where it come from. I don't know why I'm asking you. I know where it come from. But yet we get this junk on us without even thinking. And those same people, they'd never steal your car or your pocketbook or your old lady. <laughs> Dear ones, the sin of unbelief is what's robbing us. We've got to make up our minds. Be done with this stuff. We've got to get it off. Now listen, to cultivate a can-do attitude, you've got to go to the source. You've got to go to the faith builder. You've got to say, Lord Jesus, build my faith. We're not going to take time to look at it, but Hebrews chapter 12 says this. Jesus is the author and builder of my faith. So I've got to go to him and say, help me. That's what the Word of God is for. Friend, the Spirit of God and the Word of God build your faith up. Have you ever listened to somebody preach and you just felt like crap when they got done? I mean, they just beat you up. You felt like a dirty sinner. You know, hell was opening its mouth wider every time he spoke. <laughs> that was not preaching in the anointing. There was, even if preaching has to correct you like I just did a second ago, when they're done, you should come out saying, yeah! I mean, faith comes by hearing the Word of God in the Spirit. And you need to lock in. Uh, <clears throat> There's a fellow down in Texas named Joe Olstein. Y'all have heard of Joe Olstein? Satan won't go near him. He's scared he'll get a positive attitude. I mean, he just, he just that boy believes God. And uh, he, he has a morning devotional, comes out every day. You need to get it. It's free. Just go on his website, say, send this to my phone. And uh, you need to get in the Word. You need to hear. You know what builds your faith and what don't. Get under the spout where the glory comes out. Eating cheeseburgers on the time does not make you Hercules. Talk to me. Got to get in that protein mess or whatever it is. All right, dear ones. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You got to let Jesus build your faith up. You don't have to try. Let him build it up. And let me throw this in. If I wanted to be a really Superman supermodel, I'd stay away from hot dogs. I'm talking about the human kind, not the pork kind. Dear ones, you cannot, you cannot soar with the eagles and walk with the turkeys. Here it is. Get away from toxic attitudes. Now you, you may not, you can't live in this nation, stay away from them there everywhere, but you can close your ear to it and say, I think I'm going to go somewhere else. All right. Number three, you have to fight for a can-do attitude. You have to fight for it. Did you know that the Bible only tells you and I to fight one thing? It doesn't tell you to fight the Methodist or your mom-in-law or anything else. Let me quote it to you. It's a great verse, 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. You don't think Caleb had to fight a little bit to have that attitude? If you're going to be a can, listen, any old dead fish can float down a river. Can I get a witness? To be a true salmon, you've got to swim against the current. If you're going to have an attitude of faith and can do, did you notice that Caleb had to bow up against everybody in the crowd? 
You're gonna have to swim against the current. You have to fight. All right, let me give you five things you're gonna have to fight if you're gonna have a can-do attitude. Number one, you got to fight Satan over this thing. He knows God blesses faith, and guess what he's going after? He's gonna attack your faith. What is the, listen to me, what's the first thing he ever did on this earth? First time he opened his mouth, what'd he do? You have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter three. He came to them, listen to what he said. First three words he ever spoke. Hath God said. You know what? That sucker knew good and well God had said. What was he doing? He was attacking what God promised her. And he was attacking her faith in God's word. He knew good and well. I, he does that to me and I just told him, yeah, he, had to, he asked that. You want to hear it again? Dear ones, he is going to attack your faith. Just as he said in Genesis. Now listen to me. The Bible tells you and I this. And I, let me give you a little shake up. Of, you ever heard this in 2 Timothy 1, 7? God did not give us a spirit of fear. You ever heard that? But of power and of love and of confidence. There was a can-do attitude as a confident attitude. Well, did God give you a spirit of fear or an attitude of confidence? I listen to me. That word fear, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. The word fear in the Bible is the word phobia. We get our word phobia from it. Uh, different phobias people have. But in that case, it's not, phobia is not the word used there. That's better translated. God didn't give us a spirit of timidity. And really it's not the word fear at all. It's translated fear. Let me, tell, let me give it to you in a language you can understand. God did not give us a spirit of can't do it. God gave us a spirit of confidence and can do it. So anytime you see it, you got a spirit or an idea or whatever that sort of causes you to say, I don't think we're going to make it, honey. That ain't heaven speaking right there. That is the ugly side of the underworld attacking your faith. Attack back. You know what you need? Why do you think the Bible says carry the sword of the spirit? Today it'd be the 45 caliber of the spirit. It was just, why would you carry a weapon with you? It's not for your mama. It is for the enemy of your soul who wants to attack your faith. You're going to have to fight him over this thing. Now I'm going to say something here. The Holy Spirit of God is the spirit of hope. And anytime he speaks, he builds hope and he builds faith. You listen to what I'm fixing to say. I'm going to get on preachers here. There ain't nothing holy about unbelief and doubt in what God said. Nothing. He's always the spirit of faith. Number two, you're going to have to fight your feelings if you're going to walk by faith. So why don't somebody tell me one more time, I just feel, I just feel. Tell me one more time. They're ones, your feelings lie. They're contrary to faith. Don't you know, by the way, these warriors they saw in that land were so big it made them look like grasshoppers. Don't you know Caleb felt a little overwhelmed there? Sure he did. There was, there, there's nothing wrong. Do not fear. Fear not don't mean that your knees don't knock together. It means don't let it tell you how to act. You can obey God and have courage with your knees banging off one another. You can feel fear and be confident and say, thus saith the Lord. We have got to quit living by our feelings. Somebody say amen to me. Get out of your feelings and your emotions. They lie to you. Don't listen to your feelings. Tell your feelings what to do. Don't wake up in the morning and ask how you feel. You're going to get killed. Tell yourself how you feel in the morning. Golly. You have to fight your emotions and feelings. Number three, you're going to have to fight human intellect and human logic. What God told them did not make sense. Who cares? Turn with me to Proverbs 3. Let's get this over. We got to go over this over and over because you and I live in an intellect-based society. I think it's becoming pseudo-intellect. Intellect-based society. 
Now, dear ones, oftentimes the promises of God will clash with human intellect. And you got to decide, you going with your head or you going with God's word? Listen, faith always goes with God's word. My little friend, how many of you remember David in the Bible? You remember David? He's a teenage boy and he finds himself on a battlefield. And on the other side of that battlefield is the world's most powerful warrior. He was nine feet tall. The spear of his, uh, I mean, the shaft of his spear weighed 80 pounds. He was filthy and profane. He was nine feet tall. He's got a sword. He's got a shield. He's got a spear that looks like a, like a fence post. And David, 14 year old boy standing over there with a slingshot. Tell me what human intellect says right there. He fixed to eat that little fella. What if David had gone by what his head told him? But you know what David said? How many of you thought David thought he could whoop him? How many of you thought David thought he could whoop him because he was a tough little snot? What did he say to him? You come to me with a sword and a spear. I come to you in the name of the Lord. Sounds to me like I can do all things, even whoop this big galoot through Christ who's fixing to strengthen me. All through the Bible, you see anytime people accomplish great things, they had to have this, we can do it attitude. But it came from confidence in Jesus helping them. All right, we're in Proverbs 3. I want you to read this with me. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in your mother-in-law with all your heart. Is that what it says? <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Watch these words. Lean not on your own understanding. Dear ones, can you see obviously in verse five, you cannot trust God and trust your head at the same time. Your understanding, human logic, what makes common sense will always clash with what God says. Uh, let me give you an example that you'll understand. Katie and I started out, we was poor and we didn't have much to start with, but we was glad to be together. We made a grand total combined of $300 a week and we was living big time on that. And uh, we started out right off the bat. And of course I knew being a, I was going to be a Baptist little country preacher and I knew we'd never make much money because you know, because they're going to make sure they believe in you being uh, what they call it. They used to call it uh, uh, humble and poor. You keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. They believe it's good for preachers to be poor. And uh, starting out, I said, well, I don't know if we ever have children, I don't know how we educate them. I don't know how we'll do this. So we made a decision. I tell you what, let's do. Let's see what the Bible says. I could have gone Lutheran and been rich, but I, love, I decided to stay Baptist, be poor. I said, let's see what the Bible said. And I, let me tell you what I read in this book. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Trust me. See if I will not pour you out such a blessing, there's not room enough to receive it. And on day one, we decided we're going to tithe if we don't eat. And we may get tested in it. And we're going to tithe. And I said, I'll guarantee you, God tells it. Now, guess what my head said? You're going to take 30 out of that 300 and give it away and your rent's due and you ain't got... Dear ones, your head will fight God's word every time. And it just don't... And besides, that was back then. Well, we're going to make it now. And I said, sweetheart, you stick with me. I'll, we're going to be rich one day. And I said, we're going to tithe and trust God. And we did it and we've never lacked for a thing. Paid cash for three children to go through college. And we've been blessed beyond measure to the point now where we can just give a whole lot of it away. You say, well, it's because you're real smart. Really? Really? Let me tell you something. And I have never worried about a dollar in my life knowing God tells the truth. Now my head would fight once in a while and I would say, stand down. 
I don't lean on my own understanding. I'm going to trust God with all his heart. Matter of fact, I'd rather go broke trusting God, but you're not going to do it. The, all your, I, the dear preacher who helped me, he said, me and my wife got married and said, we moved into Parsonage and between us together, that first Saturday, we moved in there, got our little stuff in, didn't take long. He said, between us, we had a, a dime. One dime. He said, that was our whole, well, we was hoping to get paid the next day. Said we had one dime. He said, I said to her, sweetheart, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's don't start out with a dime. Let's catch a ride into town tonight and we'll each buy a nickel bar candy. You could do that back then. And let's go broke and start from the bottom and see what he does. Well, I thought that was pretty good. And of course, he said, we've been going up ever since. In any area, your head is going to holler when God's truth comes out. But you got to make up your mind. Verse five, am I going to trust the Lord or lean on my head? Listen, your head will fight your faith every time. Listen to me. He does this to you on purpose to see whether you'll trust him or not. But he has never failed one time in history and he never will. And you can trust him. All right. So you, you, you got to fight human logic sometimes. Number four, you have to fight religious people. Jesus fought unbelievers all his life and you're going to have to too. Dear, I hate to say this. Some of the most unbelieving people I know in my life have the initials REV in front of their names. So I've been fussed at by preachers and I was told the reason you don't know this is because you never went to seminary. Then thank God I didn't go and I ain't going. If they teach you not to believe God, I'm not going. I better, I'll get an ugly letter over it. Number five, you got to fight your culture if you're going to trust God and be a can-do believer. You got to fight your society. You're going to be labeled. You might be labeled as a slow learner, a slow whatever, or you could never do that. People will actually laugh at you when you tell them what God's going to do for you and your family. Let them laugh. But you got to make up your mind. <laughs> it don't matter who laughs. It's who laughs last. And I promise you, he rules in the affairs of men. Just let them laugh. So you're going to fight to have faith all your life. So be it. Just, just go on and fight and, and make up your mind. You're going to be one of the people who just believes God. All right. Let, let, me, let me give you one more thing on this thing about, by the way, I'm going to tell you something. You can do it. You can do all things. I heard about a man years ago. He pastors the largest church in the world. He just retired. He was a pitiful orphan on the streets of Seoul, South Korea during the Korean War, 1950s. My daddy fought there, 1950s. He had nothing. He was an urchin living on the streets and an American service member told him about the gospel, gave him a New Testament. And for some reason, it just hit him and he believed God. But you know what the problem was? He didn't have any discipleship training. All he had was a Bible. All he had was a New Testament. He wasn't taught how to be a Christian. The only place he could learn about Jesus from was the Bible. And he was just ignorant enough and simple enough to believe everything it said. And God put it on his heart after he'd been reading that Bible for about a year, just New Testament. He said, now I want you to start a church. It never crossed his mind that he couldn't. He hadn't been told he couldn't. He said, I'll be glad to. So they were selling surplus U.S. military equipment and he bought a surplus army tent, set it up in a, on a corner in the city of Seoul at the time and he started a church and he had his New Testament and his tent started a church and there were some local missionaries there and they sort of laughed at him and said, oh, oh, son, son, you, you got to, you hadn't had no training. You, you, you can't do this. And he said, no, no, he, no. He said, no, no, let me show you what I read in the Bible. And he just kept telling them what they read in the Bible. Everybody laughed. He just, and people started showing up and he preached the simplest. He just preached right straight out of this is what Jesus says. And it never crossed his mind that God didn't tell the truth. 
Religious people tried to mess him up. He just talked louder. And that church grew into the largest church in the world. The Uweta Soul, you can go there today. The Uweta Full Gospel Church in Seoul, South Korea, one million members. They hold seven services on Sundays. And uh, he, to this day, he just stands up there and says, Jesus says. Well, he just retired recently. His son-in-law took it over the entire time. But I watched him on TV one time. He came to the States and he preached. And I remember he was so full of faith because he never had religious training. It's terrible. It's terrible. All he had was the Bible. Terrible. And I remember watching him on the TV screen and he was talking about how good God was. And I, I'm just a 20 some year old boy, a young man just started preaching. And I watched him and I watched him turn toward that screen and he looked right in it and he said, you are a great man of faith. You're a great woman of faith. He said that and I just said, yeah. Yeah. I wish somebody told me for now. Yeah. <laughs> Little simple orphan urchin who just believed God's word and didn't let his culture knock him off. I said, I'm going to tell you something. This room is full of people of faith. You can do it. I'm mean, having know we need to hear God's voice and quit hearing the, we be not able. Need to believe him. All right, let me talk to you about attitudes and the power. Listen, this is powerful stuff right here. This is powerful stuff. You ever heard of influence? Everybody in this room's got influence. And you go influence somebody. And God has given every person a sphere of influence in the earth. You say, how do you know that? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? You are the light of the world. Nobody lights a lamp and hides it in a bucket. You are not here just for you. But he places it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in that room. God has given you a sphere of influence. And he wants you to let your light so shine before men. You say, well... I'm stuck at home raising three kids all day. Glory to God. What an opportunity to influence somebody. I wrote a note to one of my missionaries today in Vietnam. And I told him, said, you know, me and you about the same age. We starting to think about it. It's time to start influencing a generation that can do this after me and you fall over. And you, you got influence. And let me point this out to you. Influence is powerful. Now, here's what I ask you. What kind of influence you want to have on the earth? Those 10 men who came back and said... We be not able. Did they not turn the whole house of Israel against God? See how powerful influence is. Was, don't be one of them can't doers. Don't be one of them people who say, well, I don't, I don't know about this. Know about it. Listen, do what Paul Youngie Cho did. Buy you a Bible. I know what you're thinking. Why do you have to harp the Bible all the time? You'll see one day. Let me tell you what else. Do you understand what one can do, attitude can do in a place? I meet kids all the time and I just see their parents reflected on. I see culture reflected on people. One person can stand up and say something and affect the whole crowd for the good. In other words, how many of you know that that coronavirus is contagious? We wear a mask so I don't get what you got. Are you with me? Are you listening to me? Unbelief is contagious too. I got these Christians hanging around my church. I'm going to get unbelieving masks for them. And when they start talking, I'm going to say, put that on so I can't hear you right there. <laughs> Cover your face up. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I swear. Oh, I'm sorry. I Claire. <laughs> I would rather have a dope peddler in my church than a doubt peddler. Because a dope peddler, the sheriff will come get him. I'm stuck with these doubt peddlers. Nobody come get them. 
Let me quit by showing you this. Turn with me to Acts 27 and we're done. Let me show you the power of one person who decides God tells the truth. And listen, you can do this. Acts chapter 27. You're familiar with it. Well, you might not be. My beloved brother Paul was put on a ship. He had been found guilty. He was going to be killed. He appealed to Caesar because he was a Roman citizen. So they had to get him all the way to Rome. That was a thousand mile journey. So they put him on a boat, on a ship. 274 people on this ship. It was a ship full of prisoners being taken to Rome. You got Roman guards, they're guarding them. They got the prisoners and they're on this ship. They're going to Rome, long journey. And they left at the wrong time of the year. You're a clean, they shouldn't have left. And Paul told them, you better not go now. It's gonna be dangerous. And the guy who had the cargo said, no, we'll be all right, let's go. So they got out there and a terrible storm came up, terrible storm. And it said it was so terrible, all hope was lost that we should be saved. Sort of reminds you of America right now, the storm we're in. They threw the tackle overboard. They threw the cargo overboard and they're hanging on. They went 14 days and never saw daylight, just storm and winds and rain. And in the middle of that storm, uh, all of a sudden, well, let's read verse 22. Acts uh, 27, 22, 20, Acts 27, 20. Neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. No small tempest beat on us. All hope we would save, be saved was finally given up. I know this is talking about a literal storm. What's going on in the land right now? People that had great faith are starting to falter. But let me tell you something. You can stand anything for a day. You can stand anything for a week. But when it goes on month after month after month, people get tired. And they've been beaten on so long. After a long abstinence from food, Paul stood up and said, men, you should have listened to me. So that tells you he was a preacher. Uh, you shouldn't have come. Verse 22, now I urge you, take heart. There will be no loss of life among you, only of the ship. There stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, don't be afraid, Paul. You're going to be brought before Caesar. God has granted you all who sail with you. Now watch verse 25. Therefore, take heart, men. I believe God. It will be just as God told me. How many of you can say that? There is, we need to get where we can stand up in front of our families and say, I know what it looks like, but God's word has spoken to me. And let me tell you, it's going to be just like God said it's going to be. You know what this is? This is faith speaking right here. And we need to be a people who, we need to be this people. Do not reflect the storm. Quit talking about how bad the storm is and tell them what God's got to say about it. And tell you, listen, you need to tell people you can do this and you're going to make it and God's going to see you through. I had a letter from a little girl this past week, a little teenager. She was so discouraged because things are not working out in her life. And I read it. I just got mad about it. And I thought, unholy devil picking on a little 16-year-old girl like this. Why don't you come fight somebody your own size? So, excuse me, I didn't mean to get off on that. And I just thought, where's my sword at? And I wrote, I dashed her back a letter and I wrote out, God's got a plan for your life and he's working and don't you listen to anything else and you trust him and you believe him and you keep believing what he's, and I just, <laughs> I unloaded on that unholy devil and shipped that thing to her. And you know what I told her? You're going to have a great life. God's going to see to it. Now we need to be a people like Poe stand up and say, listen, take heart. God's going to do something. We need to be a can-do people. I want you to watch this. Uh, look down with me. Uh, verse 34, he said, I urge you, uh, take nourishment. This is for your survival. Not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. When he said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them. He broke bread, he began to eat. Watch verse 36. They were all encouraged and took food for themselves. He completely changed the attitude of 273 people just because he said, we can do this. 
And he had the influence over that place. You say, man, that, that was Paul the apostle who wrote the Bible. And who are you? And who are you? Are you not a born again child of the living God with the very Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of you? Open your mouth and let it rip, tater chip. Listen to what the Bible says here. Make up your mind. I'm going to have the attitude of heaven and I'm going to be a can-do person. I'm going to believe God and I'm going to affect people with it. He says, is it really that big a deal? It's life or death. It is life or death. Everything rises and falls on faith and you can be a can-do saint and we're going to start. I started to say, let's make up our minds. We're going to start tomorrow morning. Why would we wait another day? Turn to the person beside you and say, look right here. I can do it because Christ strengthens me. Turn keep turning, just keep turning back and forth for a while there and just tell them you can do it too. Now, don't that feel better than watching the news? God have mercy. Then was, I'm going to tell you something who by faith, by faith, shut the mouths of lions. That's one of my favorite ones. I'm going to shut the devil's mouth over my children's lives by faith. And I'm gonna, I have watched fear and unbelief just run. If you'll just open your mouth and say what God says. I got to have three amens. That's one of the best things I've ever said in this house. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you and thank you. I thank you tonight for your precious, holy, written word that is the promise of God. I thank you that every promise of the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. Thank you that you wrote this book and as surely as you spoke to those children of Israel and said, I'm bringing you into a broad land that flows with milk and honey, you will be blessed and I'm giving it to you. You have written us a book that makes the same promises concerning us, our futures, our children, our health, our families, our marriages. You've given us the promises of God. And I thank you and praise you. Many of us are waiting on you when you're waiting on us to say, I believe God, it will be just like I was told. I pray for every person in this room tonight. Lord Jesus, I want to shoot the boogers off the dishes tonight. We're going to get rid of this can't do attitude. It did not come from you. Your word is very clear. You didn't give us that spirit of timidity and cowering and wandering and wafering around. You gave us a spirit of confidence and of love and boldness and compassion. And I praise you and thank you that the spirit of God is not a mousy spirit. He's a bold spirit that's powerful in the love of Jesus. And your word is true. And I pray for every person in this room that they will cultivate a can-do attitude and spirit and watch what you do for them. Dear Jesus, I don't want to be like the 10 spies who got feared. I want to be like Caleb who said, I know what it looks like, but I have heard what God says. They are our bread. I trust you for that. Thank you for your precious word that tells us the truth. Thank you for every person that's here tonight. I declare them to be great men and women of faith. In the name of Jesus, I pray in his precious name. Amen.